time, like, my my happy place, my, like, feeling of calm has been centered around, I may have told you this, that scene in Ghostbusters Afterlife where the mini Stay Puff Marshmallow Man is laying on a graham cracker and they're melting chocolate over him. I've never heard about this in my entire life. Um, That's basically it. They're making a s'more with a tiny Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. I'm like, mm, warm chocolate blanket. Like, that's the peak of happiness. But now I know that it's being a tiny alien held by Lizzo while also being fed by Lizzo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I was as good a place as ever to come in on this episode. Why not? Let's. We should open all our episodes with Lizzo. We should. Um. So I. Like I said before, I don't know what the mini is about. I was concerned you didn't know what the mini was about, but it sounds like you have prepared I some did, material. I did tell you what my next mini was going to be, but granted, it was like I sent you a picture and said like, oh, this is going to be my new mini. And then oh, I good, did not that. send you yeah. any information. Uh, so this is something I was just in Ireland and I was taking a tour of a lovely castle. And it wasn't really a castle. It's more of like a, palace? a manor house, but they ah. made it look like a castle. Um, and. So I'm just, I'm going to read you, I took a picture, and this is the picture I sent you, of like, they have a little guidebook that you take through you, take with you as you tour through the museum, or tour through the house. The second paragraph of this introduction reads, the second owners of the castle were the Kingsley Porters, who brought it in 1929. Arthur Kingsley Porter was a professor at Harvard University and used the castle as a base to study Irish history and mythology. He acquired the wealth to do this from his father, who was, success- who was a successful banker. Arthur's disappearance following one of his regular walks on the Donegal Island of Venus Bovan in 1933 remains a mystery to this day. Ooh. End of story. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, I, I want the whole tour to be about this mysterious disappearance. He didn't disappear from the castle, but he lived in the castle and he disappeared. And I don't care about <laughs> anything else that has happened at this house. <laughs> Fuck all the research. So, <laughs> so I, I finished up the tour. I went and I had some tea and I Googled this guy because I wanted to learn the story. And uh, the story is pretty interesting. So we're doing an Irish mini murder mystery. Maybe not a murder. Definitely a mystery today. Uh, um, a mini missing mystery? A mini a mini leprechaun? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no more leprechauns. I promise there are no leprechauns involved. Uh, sources for this story are Wikipedia, a blog called The Irish Story, and The Irish Times. Can you ever really be certain that leprechauns aren't involved in any given situation? I mean, if you're going off the assumption that they are real, I guess no. <laughs> just saying, like, <laughs> there's always like a point something percent chance that it was a leprechaun. This is true. There, it's It's never not... It's never zero. Yes, the chance of a leprechaun being behind a disappearance is never zero. And I would say, given the location of this uh, particular murder mystery, um, probably a little more than that. So, yeah. So we're going to start by learning about who this Arthur Kingsley Porter guy was, because I never heard about him before. The name sounds familiar, but it could just be that it sounds like a lot of old British white man names. I think it just sounds like an old, well, he was American, but like an old white guy name. Yeah. So Arthur Kingsley Porter was sometimes known as the Indiana Jones of architecture, which I don't think his life was that exciting. He was into some cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. Um, But he he was not, you know, finding crazy treasures. And well, we'll get into it. Uh, He was an American born archaeologist, art historian and medievalist. 
So he was born into a wealthy and influential family in Stamford, Connecticut. Uh, he was the classmate of John D. Rockefeller, you know, one of those, uh, and basically became an instant millionaire the moment he gained access to his trust fund. So he's he's got a lot of money. Yeah, everything about his majors in college scream, yes. I come from money, so I don't have to worry about working. Exactly. It is very much so. Yeah, so he actually, he did go to Yale. He got a degree in law. But then he was kind of like, you know, I, he goes on this European tour in 1904. And he's like, you know what is interests me more is like art and architecture. And because he has plenty of money and never needs to work, he can just go study art and architecture for the rest of his life. And no one can tell him no. <laughs> uh, the dream. Yeah. Uh, so on his return to the United States, he enrolled at Columbia University School of Architecture. He becomes kind of a big deal in the scene. He's, you know, big into Europe. He goes to Europe. He goes on these like expeditions, sort of. It's not really expeditions. He's not, he's not like deep in the Amazon by any means. He's not Indiana Jones. He's into, <laughs> he's into, his thing is like Romanesque architecture. So he's kind of following the like spread of Romanesque architecture across Europe. Uh, he was the first American scholar of Romanesque architecture to achieve international recognition and would eventually go on to chair in Harvard University's art history department. Uh, and then in 1912, he married a socialite named Lucy Bryant Wallace, who joined him on his travels through Europe and acted as his fo official, photog official photographer. Uh, she was also really into art and architecture and all of that. So they had a lot in common. Uh, and then in 1929, Porter purchased, purchased Glenvie Castle, which was a former hunting lodge turned manor house in County Donegal, Ireland, which is the castle I had visited. You know, the beginning of The Mummy 2, when... Yes. Uh, <laughs> when Evie and uh, Rick are married and, like, they live in a big fancy house, that's... And then they have a big chase through London with zombies. Okay, maybe not that much, but, like, <laughs> the concept of, like, yes, we met... And now we go on little expeditions together and go back to our house that's filled with expensive shit. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, and so this brings us to his mysterious disappearance. On July 8th, 1933, while spending a night on the island of Inishbofin, which is a little farther north, right off the coast, uh, Porter went out for a walk during a storm and was never seen again. An inquest would later rule that Porter likely slipped from the cliffs and had fallen into the sea, but no body was ever found, so we'll never really know. I don't know. That sounds like it pretty much covers it. Yeah, end of story. Well, that was it. It was a six-minute mini. <laughs> okay, no. So there are some interesting theories, because not everybody believes that verdict. Uh, residents of the island, in particular, found it hard to believe that Porter could have just slipped into the sea. There are some cliffs. I was looking at, like, pictures and Google Maps, and, like, there are some, like straight drops off into the ocean it's kind of like it's pretty much a f flat sea level kind of island so there's not like a lot of like cliffs really high cliffs yeah there are certainly drop offs but nothing mm -hmm. is too severe it was storming though so that you know always makes things a little more treacherous um but most of the island kind of just like slopes gently into the sea like if you slip you might fall but you wouldn't just like topple over into the ocean and never be seen again yeah uh, there are other peculiarities that cast doubt on this conclusion. Um, Porter's wife, Lucy, in particular, was reported to have behaved oddly the night of his disappearance, writing letters declaring that her husband had vanished within just a few hours uh, and telling a friend, Kingsley will not return tonight. Kingsley will never return. You know what? That is a little suspicious. A little bit. Murder is a possibility that doesn't like 
Maybe it doesn't get floated a lot. The more popular theory is that Porter faked his own death. Um, not only did the inquest find that a small boat had left the island the morning after his disappearance, but he just in general was kind of he's maybe like a flighty kind of guy. He had a fascination with the Irish medieval monk, uh, St. Columbskill, who sailed to exile in Scotland. Maybe he took inspiration from him. I doubt what it. kind of middle <laughs> life crisis bullshit is that? Probably, yeah. Uh, there were some reported sightings of Porter in France, Spain, and India, but this is also the 1930s, so I don't trust those. Almost this exact thing happened with Steed Bonnet. Do yeah. we know if he didn't <laughs> just go and become a really mediocre pirate? You know, I like that theory. That was, that was, I did not surface any of that in my very <laughs> brief research, but I, I like that idea. Um, the question, I guess, remains is why would Porter want to fake his own death? And, well, uh, Porter was secretly gay ah. in 1933. Yeah, this is exactly like our flag means death. Uh, this is actually something that was known to his wife. So um, basically, with her approval and at the suggestion of his psychologist, Porter had begun a relationship with a young man named Alan Campbell and hired even hired him as an assistant at Harvard, uh, which was kind of a risky move because Harvard being Harvard had a history of outing and expelling gay people at this time. Um, and probably for several decades after that, and Porter basically lived in constant fear that his homosexuality would be revealed and his whole life would be ruined. God, the stress. <laughs> yeah, it's also possible, like, given these circumstances that Porter took his own life, he definitely suffered from depression. Uh, and with his wife being fully aware of his mental state, mental state it kind of makes sense to me that if he doesn't turn up after this walk, that she would immediately jump to terrible conclusions, even if she didn't want to, like invoke the idea of suicide aloud. Yeah, I mean, that's the the sad possibility. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, those my next bullet point is, this is definitely the less fun theory of disappearances. Um, so I get wanting to believe he faked his death and, you know, like, went out to travel the world and do his own little archaeology projects in peace. There is one more possibility, though. Aliens. So, close. <laughs> Leprechauns. In 1926... Porter came into possession of a sarcophagus a Spanish noble had commissioned for his son. Uh, the lid of the sarcophagus, believed to be one of the finest examples of European sepul sepulchral sculpture in existence, was the proof Porter had been searching for that Romanesque sculpture was practiced in Spain during the 11th century. Uh, so because he had considerable wealth and could kind of do whatever he wanted, he was able to just buy this burial slab and he took it back with him to Harvard and like gave it to the museum. He's like, here you go. Have this big rock. <laughs> uh, the Spanish government spent many years negotiating with Harvard University for the return of the sarcophagus because, you know, it was theirs. Yep. Uh -huh. And oddly enough, it would be returned to its rightful place on July 8th, 1933. The day of Porter's disappearance. Ooh. I, uh, it, it was a mummy's curse, is what I'm saying. That's what we're going with? Yes. The courage, yeah. the cowardly dog theory? <laughs> yes. I thought maybe he was, like, fighting the extradition, and so they killed him and then returned it. <laughs> no, it, no, it was definitely a mummy's curse. There was, there was no mummy in there, but it was a mummy's curse. A Spanish mummy's curse. Maybe a Spanish skeleton's curse. Pretty sure there was an episode of uh, X-Files that was <laughs> vaguely like this, which could be said of most paranormal things. Um, that show went on for a long time. That, that show had a lot of seasons, yeah. <laughs> so not aliens. No. Mm. So if you want to spread that theory, we certainly can. I mean, we could start a whisper campaign. <laughs> aliens. 
those aliens all along. Spanish aliens. Spanish leprechaun aliens. <laughs> Why are we whispering? It's a whisper campaign. <laughs> well, this is certainly the dumbest ending to a mini <laughs> in recent memory. I am going to choose to believe that he faked his own death so he could go be the big gay pirate that he always wanted to be. I like that idea. I will choose to believe this as well. The steed bonnet theory. Yes. Well, very good. Um, his wife didn't seem too upset about it, so... No, I guess not. I'm not saying that she killed him, but she definitely, like, knew something. Yeah, that's kind of what people presume, is that he had planned the disappearance and she knew about it, and maybe got a little too eager in her performance, but who knows. <laughs> She's single again. Yeah, good for her. Well, maybe not in that time period. Well, no, it was the 30s. Like, it was... I mean, she had she had his money, so... She, she had his money. And if he was presumed dead, then, yeah. Yep, he, I'm, he's not still alive. That would be insane, but... No, he would be... I don't remember if I brought down the year of his birth, but he would be very old. <laughs> well, very good. That was... That's a fun story to think about. I do love aliens. a little spooky disappearance. I... It was Leprechaun Aliens. I'm continuing the Whisper campaign. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye, we love you. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is As Above, So Below. <laughs>